All right. Good morning, everybody. It is Pastor Paul. If I'm out of breath, or if it seems I'm out of breath, it's because I'm out of breath. Running around trying to find keys, trying to get settled, but no doubt would not miss this for the world. We are here on a Wednesday morning. Can you believe the spring is upon us? March 30th, 2022. If you've just stumbled onto this time, this is a window, a block of time that we take Monday through Friday. We take 10 or 15 minutes to unpack a portion of God's Word, and what we're doing this season is running concurrently with our series in the Book of Romans. And so obviously Romans, deep and wide and so much material there, we don't have time to flesh it all out on a Sunday morning during a sermon, so we block off a little bit of time during the week to take a deep dive into different points in the text, and this morning... We're doing a little catch-up because um, I've been gone the last couple of weeks, haven't been doing these devotionals, haven't been preaching. Uh, Ryan Williams was our guest preacher on Sunday, and he preached out of Ecclesiastes. And so what I'm doing is just reviewing a couple of texts that Pastor Scott and Pastor Rob preached on the last couple of weeks as we anticipating jumping back into Romans this week, uh, Romans 8, 26 through, through 30. And so I thought we would continue to, to camp out for a little bit on verses 12 through 17 in Romans 8. And let me read that passage again for us. And remember last time we talked about this idea that adoption is the greatest blessing of the gospel. It's not the greatest truth. The greatest truth is justification, but the greatest blessing is adoption. Well, let's talk about another aspect of the Spirit's work here that we find in Romans 8, 12. Paul says, so then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So Paul points us to this amazing reality here in these verses that for those who know Christ, those who are trusting in him, we are now indwelt with the Spirit of God. Now, this is a profound thing because we're not saying merely that God is with us or God walks alongside of us, although that's absolutely true. What we're saying is something even more profound, that God, through the Holy Spirit of Jesus, lives within us. And, and Paul is pointing to this amazing reality that, in fact, we have a moment-by-moment -moment intimate communion and relationship with the God of the universe who lives inside of us. And Paul is pointing us to a couple of amazing things uh, regarding this. All right. So he says, for all who were led by the spirit of God are sons of God. So by virtue of us being indwelt by the spirit, we are sons and daughters of God. Now, Paul tells us here something um, interesting um, that might raise some questions in verse 16. This is what we want to focus on this morning. He says, the Spirit himself, and remember the Spirit is a person, 
part of the, the, the triune being of God. The spirit is not a force, not a it. Um, the spirit is a he. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Paul says one of the ways that God assures us of our status as sons and daughters is that his spirit bears witness with our spirit or his spirit testifies with our spirit. Or he's saying there his spirit proclaims to us that we are in fact um, sons and daughters of the king. Now, what we want to ask is how, how does the spirit do this? Um, what what is this what does this mean when Paul says his spirit bears witness with our spirit? How, how does that happen? What, what what exactly does that mean? And I want to take us back to the parable that we were looking at yesterday, uh, the prodigal son. All right, so so turn back to, to Luke 15 just for a second. And remember, we we use this parable of Jesus, probably his most well-known parable. To talk about this idea that the son, when he was restored to the father, was not just justified or forgiven or not having his sins counted against him, but in fact, he was restored with all the privileges of his sonship. Well, there's another amazing truth here that we find in Luke 15, and it points us to the fact um, or to the reality, the truth of how the spirit works within us to remind us who we belong to. Okay, so let's let's go back for a second to the parable of the prodigal son. And let's we're going to pick it up at that point where the son has left the father. He has squandered his inheritance in debaucherous living. And um, he is working as a field hand, starving to death with the pigs. Okay. So let's look at verse 14 in Luke 15. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pies that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quickly, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. So, so I'm going to alliterate four points for you, and this is not meant to be an overarching systematic theology or statement of theology of everything the Spirit does, okay? Um, but I, I want to boil it down to sort of four things we see in this passage so that it's a good way to remind you of part of the Spirit's work in your life if you know Christ. So, so number one, 
it says the son was in the pig pen and what happens, right? He is number one, reminded of whom he belongs to. So, so go back to verse 18 or verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's high ser um, hired servants have more than enough bread? So in other words, just because the younger son had wandered into the distant country and had drifted far away in his communion from his father, um, he still recognized, okay, who his father was. Nothing that he did was going to sever that tie. And that's part of what the Spirit's work, right, does for us. Even when we wonder, even when we stray, we are reminded of whom we belong to. We, we, we're reminded of what God has done for us. We, we are reminded of our true inheritance, that we are truly heirs, even as we are wandering around in the pig pen in a far distant country. And of course, we have to be reminded of that to feel a godly sorrow. And that's the second thing we see here. First of all, he, he was reminded. And secondly, the younger son felt remorse, okay? Now, there is a kind of remorse, Paul tells us in Corinthians, that leads to death, godly sorrow. We fear getting punished. We fear um, having been caught. We fear this or that, rather than, than fearing God and understanding that we've grieved God. And this is what happens with the younger son. He is grieved in his spirit. He feels uh, remorse. He recognizes the error and the folly of his ways. And that's what the spirit does for us, right? So as we are reminded of who we belong to, we feel remorse when we gauge just how far we've strayed from whom our Father has created us to be. So this is the second way the Spirit testifies within us. He reminds us first, then he gives us remorse, okay? And that remorse, in turn, look back at the text, empowers um, the younger son to repent, so repent, obviously, it's a military term, it means turn 180 degrees, march the other direction. And in order for the son to get where he needs to be, he has to first stop what he's doing. And, and, and what this means specifically for him is that he stops wandering in the mud pit, he stops finding a home in the distant country, and he turns his back literally on those things, and he walks away. So that's a third thing that the Spirit does for us. He leads us to repentance, right? So you can always gauge godly remorse versus worldly remorse. Worldly remorse doesn't lead to repentance. Godly remorse or godly sorrow leads to repentance, leads to change. And so here we see the younger son, he's reminded of who he is. He feels remorse. And that remorse um, is in relationship to being separated from his father. And so he repents. He stops doing what he's doing. He turns the other way, walks away. But again, even that is not complete, right? Again, he could have walked away from what he was doing, but not walked to the father. And that brings us to our fourth point of what the spirit does. He empowers us to return to God. And so here we see with the younger son, it says that not only does he walk away from his sin, but he returns to his father. And the, and the reason he can return to his father, okay, is that he knows the way. He knows the way um, back home. The father hasn't gone anywhere. 
And in fact, as we see in the parable, the father is not merely waiting on him. The father is out on the road, eagerly anticipating him, runs towards him, right? And, and again, these are all just great pictures of the way the spirit bears witness with our spirit, right? He reminds us of who we are. He gives us a godly remorse. He empowers us towards repentance. And he enables us to return to the Father, understanding it was the Father who was the one all along beckoning us to return to him. And so, once again, there's many ways, uh, many other theologically correct ways to talk about the work of the Spirit. We haven't talked about all of them. But again, I think we've gotten to the heart of what Paul is talking about here when he says the Spirit of Christ bears witness with our spirit that we are indeed sons of God. Okay, tomorrow we'll continue to journey through Romans 8 as we anticipate jumping back into into that great chapter this coming Sunday. Um, But I pray that the Spirit will lead you today and will bear witness with your spirit um, that you indeed belong to Christ. Let me pray. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for the refreshment from your word. And now we pray, Lord, that you would bear witness with our spirit today through your Holy Spirit that we belong to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.